Hey, everybody. Welcome to Quizlet, the weekly show where we chat with upcoming Quizzertron panelists. I'm your host, Rebecca Watson. And today I'm talking to a bit of a hero of mine, or at least the hero of my Friday nights when I consume the world's tastiest, easiest, easy to make pizza crust. Uh, my guest is perhaps best known for being the managing culinary director of Serious Eats and the author of The Food Lab, both blog and book. And he recently opened the new San Mateo hotspot, Worst Hall. Welcome to the show, Kenji Lopez Alt. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Like, I, I'm not even kidding. The pizza crust recipe I got from you, mm-hmm. it, it kills. Is, is, is this the pan pizza recipe, the one that you do yeah. in a cast iron skillet? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, uh, it, I think it's the most popular recipe I've ever done. It's, really? it's definitely, I think, the one that comes up the most. It deserves to be. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who knows and loves you from the Food Lab on Series Eats. But you know, prior to finding that site, I never thought of cooking as a science. And now suddenly I'm interested in how I can like use ping pong balls to up my sous vide game. Right. <laughs> uh, so for people who haven't visited, can you give us an example or two of your favorite deep dives into the intricacies of certain cooking techniques or ingredients that you've explored during your time writing the food lab? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that on serious eats or on the food lab that we treat cooking as a science, um, um, you know, cause cooking, I think is a lot more than that. Um, but we, we apply science to cooking. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I, I think when, you, yeah, when you find, when you apply, when you apply science to cooking and you kind of question, um, some of the basic things you were taught, um, um, yeah, you, well, often you find that the things you were taught were correct, um, and that there were good reasons for doing them. Um, sometimes you'll find that they were correct, but the reasons for doing them were completely different from what people thought they were. Um, right. say like searing meat, for instance, right. People thought, you were doing it to seal juices and you're not really sealing juices and you're doing it um, mainly just for flavor. So it's still a good thing to do. It's just the reason you do it is different from what people used to think it was. Um, and then sometimes you find that um, things are sort of the exact opposite of what you were always told. Um, for instance, like one of them would be um, I, I heard all the time uh, when I was working in restaurants that you shouldn't add salt uh, to your bean water because it will make the beans um, turn tough. Uh, so you should only salt your beans at the very end of cooking. Um, it turns out it's, it's the exact opposite is true. If you actually just test, test those things side by side, um, you can, if you salt the water that you're soaking the beans in, um, overnight, um, and then you also salt the water that you're cooking them in, uh, this, the skins of the beans actually soften up much better. Um, and that actually keeps them from sort of bursting because the, the insides swell and the outsides kind of soften up so that it can contain that swell. Um, so you end up with much better, more evenly cooked, uh, sort of creamier beans, um, if you salt it all the way. Um, the thing that does stop beans from cooking is, um, uh, pH acidity. So, um, if there's any kind of acid in your cooking liquid, say like you're cooking, um, chili and you're putting a lot of tomatoes in there or something, um, you're either going to have to really greatly extend the cooking time, um, or you're going to want to cook the beans separately first and then add, um, any of those acidic ingredients into them because the, the acid will stop them from softening. I don't know how wow. I got into this, this tangent. I- what, uh, was, this, was I just <laughs> well- responding to this thing you asked? Yes, but and we'll get back to that. But real okay. quick, now I'm now I'm focused on this bean thing because <laughs> I, I'm interested. Do you have any idea why the opposite of what was true actually got propagated around the restaurant scene? The idea of salting. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know. You know, this oftentimes you can find um, reasons why something would get. Um, 
falsely propagated. Um, um, you know, like for instance, the idea that you need uh, a ton of water to cook pasta, um, these days with mo- with 99% of the dry of the dry pasta you're buying at the supermarket you don't need a huge amount of water um and it's because um pasta these days are first of all they're extruded through teflon coated dyes um so their surfaces are much smoother and there's much less sort of free starch on their surface um and then secondly pasta these days are, are dried at a very high temperature um and that that drying um that high temperature actually sort of deactivates the starch in the pasta. Um, so modern pasta doesn't really stick very much. Um, and it doesn't make the water super sticky and starchy. Um, so with most modern pastas, like you can, you can basically just like cover them in cold water with, you know, like put them in a pot, add enough cold water to cover them by an inch, by an inch, put it on the stovetop and bring it to a boil, like stir it, stir it a couple times. Um, and it'll cook up totally fine. Um, you know, the reason why people say you need a ton of water is because you do need a ton of water if you're using um, either fresh pasta or if you're using a pasta that is still made in sort of this old world style with um, with bronze dyes and with a, a lower temperature drying. So some really, you know, sort of fancy high end pastas, um, they stay sort of really sticky and starchy as they cook. Um, and for those pastas, you need a ton of water. Um, but you don't need a ton of water for um, for most of the time that you're cooking pasta. I'm relieved that I believe you said that actually, because whenever I make pasta, I do see like on the box, it's like boil, you know, a gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, I'm like, oh, I'd never do that. <laughs> so I'm glad to know that I'm, I'm in the right. So I'd like to get a little bit into your background and how you got interested in the science of cooking. I was interested in science um, before I was interested in cooking, um, way before I was interested in cooking. Um, and you know, I, I didn't actually really get into cooking until I had already started doing it professionally. Um, so, you know, when I found my first job as a cook, it was um, something that I was just like, oh, that sounds like a fun thing to do for the summer. I'll give it a shot. Um, and uh, I'd never really cooked before that. And so once I started cooking um, in restaurant kitchens, that's when I sort of fell in love with um, with cooking and with, um, and with food. Um, right. But... Um, <clears throat> Oh, I don't remember where we were going with this. Um, uh, <laughs> um, well, oh, science, uh, science, science. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I was always into science. And one of the problems with working in restaurant kitchens um, is that um, they're very sort of process oriented and they're very much um, focused on um, repetition and speed. Um, and so you don't really have much time to sort of experiment or ask questions um, and expect them to be really thoroughly answered. Um, so for years as I was a restaurant, you know, when I was working as a cook in restaurants, um, I just had these questions, um, about food that were sort of building up, building up. Um, you know, I had them all written down and, um, these were sort of all things that I wanted answered, but never found the time to be able to answer. Um, and so then once I started working, um, on the writing side, um, when I got a job at Cooks Illustrated, um, that was when I had, you know, really had the opportunity to start, um, sitting down and answering these questions, you know, and it actually, you know, that's when it sort of became my job to do that. I got paid to do that kind of work. Um, and so I guess, you know, that's, that's how I, that's how I really got started. It's that, you know, I had, um, growing up, uh, I had a lot of science training and so I had this sort of naturally inquisitive, um, outlook on things. And then, um, when I started cooking, I wanted to apply it to that. Um, right. and so eventually I did. How much did your dad play into that? Because, uh, your dad's Frederick Alt, who is a mm-hmm. pretty prominent, geneticist uh yeah did 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 he sort of inspire that that 
curiosity in you? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, to, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, certainly like math and science were always, um, a heavily emphasized part of, um, our education growing up. Um, though I think that was probably more to do with my mom. You know, my mom was a little more more invested in our education, but, but, but for sure, you know, like I, I think having, um, my, you know, my grandfather was a scientist and, uh, and my father's also a scientist and having those, um, having that sort of be the profession of the family certainly, I think, played a large role in um, making me want to pursue that as a career. Yeah. Uh, you you went to school for architecture, right? I did, yeah. Um, so, well, I, I started actually as a, um, a biology major and um, – uh, and then I switched after sort of after a couple of years of doing biology, um, I, I sort of had a little existential crisis and realized that I didn't want to be um, work in a biology lab. Um, and that that's actually what led me to start cooking. That was the summer where I was like, all right, I'll just do something random for the summer. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, but after that, when I, I went back and I um, finished a, a degree in architecture. Okay. So you, you actually have the degree, but you don't do oh, yeah. anything with architecture anymore? I don't. <laughs> I drew the plan when we when we bought a house and remodeled it. I drew the plans that we submitted to the city for for the remodel. So I guess I, I saved I saved like a couple thousand bucks by being able to draw some lines. Oh, okay, well that's pretty impressive. And uh, and you've just opened Worst Hall, and that's in a historic mm-hmm. building, right? Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. Although, um, you know, my my um, my role there was is is really all back of the house, you know, food the food yeah. side of it. Um, so, you know, I was aware of what was going on as far as the design and renovations were um, were going um, for the front of the house, but um, but I didn't really um, have that much say in it. Right. With with Worst Hall, um, you know, opening your own restaurant, you mm-hmm. know, obviously with partners and everything, it's still it's a huge leap. It's a risky venture. What made you decide to to go for it? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it just seemed like an opportunity that was too good to be true. Because so I had, you know, my daughter yeah. had just been born, and I had um, quit all of my full time work, um, and I was, you know, I was the stay at home parent, um, and so. Uh, I knew that I wanted to do some kind of project. Um, and so I wanted something that, that I could do may, in maybe like two days a week or so. Um, right. And so that was sort of the plan with Worst Hall where be, I thought it would be like a small project where I could just do some consulting. Um, you know, they, so they, my, my partners already had the space. They already had the concept um, and they were just looking for a chef um, advisor. Um, and so I thought I would do that. And then, um, you know, once sort of like the media picked up that this was my project, um, I think the expectations for what the restaurant was going to be just went a lot higher than what I had been planning on. Um, right. And so I kind of got sucked into doing it full time um, for the several months leading up to the opening, which, uh, you know, in, in a way it really sucked um, just because it pulled me away from my family when I yeah. um, hadn't been planning for that. But, um, uh, but no, you know, it, it, it ended up being a real restaurant project and that's, um, it's pretty exciting, you know, um, you know, running a restaurant um, or owning a restaurant is something that I, I could have been happy to have never done in my life. Um, but, you know, this opportunity came up. It was right in my backyard. It was a concept that I believed in. So it seemed like if I'm ever going to do a restaurant, this is the perfect opportunity. So I should just go for it, you know. Uh, right. And I did. And it seems like it's a it's been a success, right? It's going well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, as well as well as restaurants do. Um, you know, restaurants are never good. <laughs> a, never a great business venture. But um, but yeah, it's going. It's going. I, I think we'll be going for a while. Um, we're opening two more locations. So um, we're. Oh, yeah. We're you know, we're expanding and doing, doing pretty well. 
Well, that's huge. Two more locations right at, I mean, you just opened up in the past few months. Yeah, they'll, they'll be open. They'll be open next year. So about, um, so it'll have been about a year and a half to two years after the original opened. Oh, that's awesome. By the time they're running. Yeah. And so is that taking up all of your time now or are you still? Uh... No, um, no, my daughter's taking up most of my time. <laughs> right. um, speaking of which, I think she's waking up soon. Um, but um, my daughter's taking up most of my time. Um, and then uh, and then I'm working on a couple of book projects. So I'm writing a children's book. Oh, um, and then uh, like a picture book. It's not a, it's not a cookbook, um, although there are recipes in it. It's a book about food, of but course. it's a um, illustrated storybook. Um, for four to seven year olds, um, and uh, and then I'm working on a second volume of the Food Lab. Um, although it probably won't be called Food Lab, but um, it's another sort of big book like that. Awesome. Um, and both both of those should be out next year. Well, yeah, I think I can hear your daughter uh, trying to get in on this interview in the background. So I'll yeah. <laughs> wrap this one up, but we'll get more out of you uh, when you're at Quizotron on September 6th at Piano Fight here in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be facing off against Trace Dominguez, Matt Gubser, and Justin Robert Young. So I hope you are well prepared. Uh, okay. People can find ticketing. I am ill-prepared. <laughs> no no one is ever actually prepared for quiz. <laughs> uh, you listeners out there who are interested can find ticketing info up now on Eventbrite. A link is in the notes for this show. Kenji, thank you so much for joining me. I will see you soon. Yeah, thank you.